He turned his face toward the wall and he prayed. And, and, and as he's praying, and it's written for us what he said here, and think about this, how God it must have just wooed his heart. Because Hezekiah knew he wasn't a perfect man, but he also knew he, his heart was sold out for God. It was sold out for God. He says, remember now, O Lord. And he's facing the wall with his you know, boil and, and thinking he's, he's on his way out. You know, I'm going to die. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Hezekiah poured out his heart to the Lord. To our ears, Hezekiah's prayer might also sound ungodly. In it, his focus is on self-justification and his own merits. But under the Old Covenant, This was a valid principle on which to approach God. But under the New Covenant, we are blessed on a principle of faith in Jesus Christ. Hezekiah's principle of prayer isn't fitting for a Christian today. We pray in the name of Jesus, not in the name of who we are or what we have done. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. Go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it's an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward. Notice he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward. The shadow he brought back 10 degrees. By which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. So at that time, Beredek Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, this is way before Nebuchadnezzar came on the scene, he sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them. It tells us in Chronicles that uh, he sent uh, this Meredith Baladin from the king of Babylon at the time. He sent a, an, an, a, bun, a couple of ambassadors to Hezekiah with a gift, saying, I'm really glad that you're recovered. And, and, uh, and there's a reason for this. And he showed them, notice, Hezekiah was attentive to them, and he showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all his armory. Does that sound like a good thing to do? Not really, because we know the end of the story, right? <laughs> and uh, Actually, I shouldn't say story. I, I use that word figuratively, but I don't, I'm not a person who believes that the Bible is stories. It's history. It's real history. Okay, so that's really important to know. So he showed him the silver, the gold, the spices, precious ointment, all of his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. He basically rolled out the red carpet, opened the doors and lit the lights and had hors d'oeuvres and showed them all the very best of everything. Then Hezekiah, the prophet, went to King Hezekiah and said to him, he says, what did these men say and from where did they come to you? 
So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? And so Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. And whenever you have a prophet saying to you, hear the word of the Lord, it's usually corrective. (laughs) It's usually not something like, hear the word of the Lord. You really are just the best, man. You are just incredible. You know, can I get your autograph on this parchment? You know, uh, whenever a prophet says that, you be starting to already start to genuflect, you know, get on your knees and, and bow and, 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 and get in that position because what's coming is not, you're not going to like it. So <laughs> Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming. The days are coming, Hezekiah, when all that is in your house and all and what your fathers have accumulated until this day it shall be carried to Babylon. Notice, it shall. It's not even if, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And that's kind of discouraging. You gave me 15 more years to live and I, I make a mess of that too. My guard came down. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take, some, take away some of your sons who will descend from you. We'll look at that. Whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, Will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? So he just kind of like, you know what? The Lord's given me 15 years. It's going to happen after my time. Praise the Lord. I don't have to worry about it. I don't know if that was his heart completely, but there is a little bit of cavalierness to this that leads me to believe that uh, Hezekiah was very glad that, um, that this was going to happen uh, after his time. So let's go back into verse 1 here. And it says, in those days he was sick and near death. Yeah, and the, and the prophet came to him, prophet Isaiah, and basically says, get your house in order. You know, you shall die and not live. How would you like somebody coming to you and saying that? Get your last will and testament in order. You're going to die. Well, thank you very much. That was awfully encouraging, brother. Thank you. You know, and, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord has hard things to say. And I can't help, because this is right on the heels of what we read in that first invasion. Remember back in chapter 18, verses 13 through 16? that we read, that first invasion? Well, what we're reading now happened immediately after that. I can't help but wonder, and we've got to be careful here. I, I'm, I'm going to forward that with this. We have to be careful when we think like this because it's not always the case. But is it probable? It is probable. Because right before this, he had given, responding in fear, and there's no mention of him praying to God at that time. He just saw Assyria coming, knowing that the northern ten tribes have already been blown away, they've been taken away. And so he just starts giving stuff away. I wonder what would have happened if Hezekiah would have went before the Lord and says, Lord, what do I do about this? I know the Lord would have had words for him of wisdom. And God could have done a great thing for him. So I can't help but wonder if this sickness... I wonder, I, just, I wonder if there was some kind of punitive measure here that God was giving to Hezekiah um, because he so readily gave in to Sennacherib's demands. I don't know. 
But unless it's explicitly stated in the scripture, we should never jump to those kind of conclusions always. We should never do that. However, there are, you know, for instance, there's times like in, remember in John's gospel, um, in John chapter 9, a man was born blind, and it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was born blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Obviously, he sinned. He's born blind. Somebody messed up, right? That's the traditional thought of sin or things that happen to us. It's got to be the result. Well, you know, it is, but was it directly because of this man's sin, or did his parents sin that this man was born blind? And I love Jesus' response. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. It doesn't mean that they didn't sin, but it wasn't the cause of this man's blindness. Follow me? Of course they were sinners, but it wasn't because of the sin. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And Jesus would heal him, and this man would be very vocal about Christ. And it was a miracle, no doubt. We we can't always assume, but it is possible Because only after this illness do we see Hezekiah humbled and do we see him praying. And and in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, which is the parallel chapter to this section that we're looking at tonight, um, it says that uh, Hezekiah was sick and near death and he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. And we're going to find out what that sign is. We've already looked at it actually, but we'll get there. So notice in verse 2, it says, in our text, it says, Then he turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. And here we find him after he's been wounded, mortally wounded. He's, he's on his deathbed. If God didn't intervene, the man would have died. He told Isaiah to go in and tell him, You better get your plans in order, because you're going to die. But notice his humility and his brokenness now. And, you know, this is such an irresistible thing for God. I hope you can see that tonight. Notice, he turned his face toward the wall and he prayed. And, and, and as he's praying, and it's written for us what he said here, and think about this, how God it must have just wooed his heart. Because Hezekiah knew he wasn't a perfect man, but he also knew he, his heart was sold out for God. It was sold out for God. He says, remember now. Oh, Lord, and he's facing the wall with his, you know, boil and, and thinking he's, he's on his way out. You know, I'm going to die. I pray how I, have, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. And he was being truthful. And I've done what was good in your sight, Lord. And Isaiah, or Hezekiah, excuse me, he wept bitterly. So these things are true of him. And remember... The commendation that God gave to him. These weren't empty words. God said this himself in 2 Kings 18, verse 5. We, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. This is what God said about this man. He says, After him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Before him or after him? For him to die at such a relatively young age as well, there is little doubt that he was also thinking of the proverb that Solomon had written, which is Proverbs 10, verse 27. What does that say? The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So Hezekiah, being a young man, now terminally ill, God telling the prophet to tell him he's going to die, he's thinking, Lord, I've, I, I, I know I've done right. This doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be dying this young. 
And maybe Hezekiah is thinking about that proverb. Lord, have I, have I, have I done well? I believe I've followed you with all my heart, Lord. You know, sometimes when we go through difficulties, we don't understand why. And you may even question God. You may even have the same heart where you know you haven't done anything blatantly, obviously wrong, and yet something really horrible happens to you. And, and, and we immediately think, well, it's because of what I did yesterday. You know, I, you know, I stepped on that ant when I crossed the road, and, and the poor little guy looked all fat, and he looked happy, and he's even smiling. He had a little bread crust. You know, I mean, and, and you're thinking really strange thoughts, and you don't realize that sometimes things just happen. Sometimes things just happen to you. And is God mad at you? Maybe not. Maybe not at all. Or is he chastening you? That's probably a better uh, term. Is he chastening you? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But don't assume that it's always that. Sometimes it's just to bring me closer to him. And there's no other way around it. Sometimes. And it happened, verse 4, before Isaiah had gone out in the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah. Notice, the leader of my people. Notice how God referred to Hezekiah. The leader. Literally in the Hebrew, it's Nagid. Does that sound familiar to you? Nagid is a a term that is endearing to a, a Jewish person. You're the leader of my people, Hezekiah. I love you. Thus says the Lord, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader, the Nagid of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of your David, your father. We'll look at that. Underline David, your father. He says, I've heard your prayer. Aren't you glad that God hears prayer? Has he heard your prayer? Do you think God's not listening? He's listening. When you don't think he's listening, he's listening. So often we get so despondent and we get so discouraged by what we've done or the things that we thought or whatever it is, and we we don't think God is listening. In fact, you're sitting in your car and you're praying and the devil's whispering in your ears. All the time you're praying, he's not listening to you, you hypocrite. He's not listening to you. Listen, don't follow the, the thoughts of your heart. Don't listen to the thoughts of your heart. And sometimes my heart betrays me, and the devil wants to certainly encourage those evil thoughts. Sometimes he's the one doing it. Sometimes it's just me, and he's going, yeah, that is true about you. He's just going to come in and pile on the, the, the condemnation. Not the conviction, the condemnation. Do you know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Condemnation is to rub your nose at it and tell you that your God is done with you because of what you've done. And if, if that happens, then that is the work of the enemy. When somebody rubs your nose and says, God is no, he's so upset with you, I can't believe it. You know, you probably should just leave the church. You've done this too many times. You're finished. That's condemnation. Conviction sometimes comes with chastisement, chastening you. It's not exciting, but God is wooing you. He's not, con- he's not condemning you. He's convicting you. Yes, the feeling is your heart is broken. You know you feel guilty. And you are guilty. And what do you do with that? Do you run? Or do you get on your knees and pray? If you get on your knees and pray, pray that is a proper way to handle conviction. Because conviction is good. 
I love when God convicts me because I can be a little too cavalier and a little blasé about sin in my own life, and I need him to hold me accountable. Pray that God will give you that conviction when you go astray. And if you do, you know you're being treated by a loving Heavenly Father. If I'm getting away with it and seemingly no brakes are on and I I, I see no restrictions in my life, I start to worry. I want the word of God to zap me every time that I'm doing something really wrong or when my heart gets bitter and cold. It shouldn't be something we shrink away from. But notice the encouragement that the Lord gave to this hurting man. He knew he was doing the right thing. And now I've got, I'm young and I still, I've got this boil and you tell me I'm going to die. Notice also how even in the struggle of his, the Lord still saw Hezekiah as the leader of his people. And Samuel, remember when God spoke to Samuel and says, now go and anoint Samuel, you shall anoint him commander. And the word is Nagid, commander. Same word in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, as the Lord is talking about this 70-week prophecy of Daniel. What does he say in verse 25 of Daniel 9? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, the Mashiach Nagid. Same word here, the commander of my people. And here it's speaking of Jesus. And now he's using that same word to say, go tell the Nagid of my people. Go tell Hezekiah. What encouragement that must be. And, and then, you know, it even gets better than that. And it's as if the Lord found his sincerity and his humility irresistible. I mean, think about it. God could have just told Isaiah the prophet just to go home. But as he's leaving the king's presence, the king is crying his eyes out, pouring his heart out in true repentance, in true seeking God. And God says, wait a minute, Isaiah, I can't. My heart can't let you take another step. You need to go back in and give him a message for me. And see, God hasn't changed. He's the same for you and I. When we, when we, when we take a, a baby step toward him, he's running to us. He wants to bless. He wants to encourage your heart. He doesn't want to condemn you. Yes, there are things that we do wrong. And yes, we do need to turn from them. Yes, all those things are true, but he wants to bring you to himself. And so I love the scripture in Isaiah 42, verse 3, where it says, A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. And Hezekiah was like a bruised reed. It should be standing up straight, but he's just feeling so overwhelmed by his sickness and, and wondering. And, and Lord, I've done all these good things, and he's a, he's a bruised reed. There's just a little bit of an ember left. He's like a smoking flax, and you have to come and... And you wave your hand trying to blow that thing, hoping a spark will take off, and then a small little flame, and then you add some stuff to the pile, and there's a fire. You see that when you go camping, don't you? Unless you're like me and I get one of those little sticks that you just throw it underneath there and you light it and walk away and then you got a fire. Hallelujah. But uh, <laughs> a smoking flax he will not quench. And what does it say in James? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But first the way is down and then he lifts you up. Not the other way around. I don't go up. If I go up, he's going to bring me down. But if I am down... He's going to lift me up. And that's exactly what he did to Hezekiah. And notice what he says here in verse 5. Return and tell Hezekiah, Isaiah, the leader of my people. And notice, the God of David, your father. 
Notice that God hears our prayers despite what we think or feel, but notice that the Lord addressed himself to Hezekiah as the God of your father David. Underline that because that's really significant. Because it was a means to remind him, to remind Hezekiah in this dark period of his life where he wasn't sure he was going to make it. From his point of view, he was going out. And God says, go tell the commander of my people, the God, the father of your father, the God of your father, David. Why David? Why did he say that phrase? Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is a, a, an area in the scripture that I love to go to. And it's one that you'll probably remember for the rest of your life because I visit it so much. It's the Davidic covenant. You can write the reference down if you want. I'm going to read it to you right now. It's 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 through 16. It's the Davidic covenant. And God is reminding Hezekiah in this dark hour of his life, thinking that he's on his way out, God reminds him, I am the God of your father David, Hezekiah. Don't forget that. Because what did God say to David when he became king? When David wanted to build God a house, God says, David, you can't build me a house. Your hands are filled with blood. Your son Solomon, he's going to build a house, but not you. But because it was right in your heart, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build you a house, David. And he goes and he says in verse 8, Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, God says to David, from following the sheep to be ruler, there it is, over my people over Israel, and I have been with you wherever you have gone and kind of cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. And moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them. Now think of how this would feel. I mean, I wonder if Hezekiah, as he's hearing this, God say, I'm the God of your father, David. I can't help but wonder if Hezekiah was remembering that covenant that God made to David, that was going to go through him as well. And I think that's a good thing. Don't be discouraged, Hezekiah. I'm the God of your father, David. Do you remember what I told David? And we're reading it right now. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people and have caused you to rest from all of your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Yes, it's speaking of Christ in the long haul, but in the mid haul, it's speaking of all these different kings, including Hezekiah, who was young and near death at this moment. He shall build me a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Hezekiah, the line that you're in is going to extend on forever. Remember that. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. That didn't appeal, that, you know, uh, anyway. So, But my mercy, notice verse 15, shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established. How sure is God? Did he say might? I, I don't know. You know, your kingdom might go on. I don't know, but you're not really a good boy today. You're really not. I just don't think. Did you tie this week? Did you help the elderly woman across the street? Did you help Virginia Root put her groceries away? If not, I don't know. I don't know. It might happen, but it doesn't look so good. Is that the way God is? No. He says, and your house and your kingdom shall be established. That is God's unmerited favor.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.